You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 119. I'm your host, Andres Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Pontus Böckmann and Brian Ego. Sziasztok! All right, trips. Hello, how are you? Hey, <laughs> hey. We, we didn't get a Swedish greeting from Pontus there. No, no, we were confused because we did it in the wrong order. You, you introduced me first, Pontus, and then Brian, and then Brian said hello first, and then good. Yeah, yeah I got it wrong, but who cares? Yeah. Anyway, we're here. Yes. We're low, yeah. And Yelena is not, once again. So this is, I don't know, like the third and or an fourth time. male show, wow. That, yeah, it's kind of a sausage fest. But yeah, like each time <laughs> I've, I've been on here... Yelena has not, you know, so again, conspiracy theories continue that we are the same person. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, exactly, exactly. And anyone who's seen you can the resemblance testify that the resemblance uncanny. is uncanny. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Although with it, we should just uh, try to apply uh, Occam's razor and ask the question, which one is more probable and more plausible that uh, you sit in for Yelena because she's otherwise occupied or... You are actually the same person. Is there a good excuse she has for not being here? No, you mean not at being all. otherwise occupied? Mm. <laughs> that's, 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 that's notoriously vague of her, which is again is going to fuel that conspiracy even further. But hey, what the hell? Mm. We can we can no. get through it. No, how it works is that uh, she hates your gut, <laughs> and uh, and whenever the the idea of inviting you on the show pops up, she decides to leave. A familiar story. <laughs> There's only one place where you can actually see the two at the same time, and that is at QED. Exactly. Yes. Yay! QED's been announced. What is it? 12th to 14th of October, I believe. But yeah. The, the, yeah. the 12th includes uh, Friday, which is That's a Friday, most yeah. probably a Skepticamp event, right? Yep. Probably. Yep. Hasn't been announced yet, but that's usually the case. Well, if Chris Higgins is listening, please let us know. <laughs> Do we know when the the, the tickets are are getting uh, going on sale? Uh, yes, first of May, I believe it is. Yeah, first, first of, of May. May. Okay. Yes, and we've already had some announcements as well. Oh yeah, I don't want to say I told you so, but I told you so. Um, as soon as I heard that the SGU folks are bringing out a book in October, I thought, what better place to go <laughs> and. Sell some copies of your new product and scroll yeah. your name on it. So I had oh, high yeah. hopes that they were going to be at QED and right enough they are. So that's straight Very out good. of the traps with a big announcement. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So the SGU, of course, being the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe with the Novella Brothers, Steve, Jay and Bob. And then we have and Evan Bernstein and Cara Santamaria. And they will be joined also uh, by George Robb, who is the person who's done the music for our podcast. Well, he didn't make it for us, but we were, he was kind enough to let us use it. So. Yeah, So, but, but now that you're going to meet him in October, he's going to come asking for royalties. We know that for sure. <laughs> uh, George Robb is welcome to like 50% of everything we've made from this show. No problem. He can get that as royalty. I would even go for 70 yeah, that actually means he owes us money, but that's fine. <laughs> no, it will, you know, all kidding aside, it'll be great to, to, to see them all. I've met Jay Novella before, 
Uh, I haven't met the others. Uh, Jay actually, well, I did talk to George Rob because we were out in the pub uh, late at night and we talked about George, Jay and Novella and my, myself. And he said, let's call him up. And before I could stop him, he, he speed dialed him, I think, on his phone and handed it over to me. And it was three o'clock in the morning and I had had, um, well, a couple of beers and there was your tribe on the other end. I, cool. It was interesting, an interesting night, uh, which I had mm. to, I had to send an email the following morning to George and apologizing. But uh, that was, that was only your excuse to get in touch. <laughs> and we did interview Cara Santa Maria. Uh, last year at QED, and we released that interview, so anyone can listen to it. Hope to see her back again. And if you'd like to be drunk dialed at 2am by Pontus, then, uh, you know, give some Patreon money, and uh, we can sort that out. That could be, like, one of the bonus uh, targets, right? (laughs) Great. Have you ever done that to someone? Well, I just said I had. (laughs) It wasn't you, it was Jay. But I would have if I had known, if I had a number. I, I, I don't think I have I, I, I may have drunk text and I may have drunk Facebook, but I don't think I've actually... I, I mean, I hate talking on the phone at the best of times, so um, <laughs> I'm less likely to do so when I'm half cut. Yeah. We should also mention, actually, uh, about QED, that uh, Helen Arney will be the MC. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. She Great. is a comedian, science nerd, she says herself. And she's also the sister of Cat Arnie that we have mentioned a couple of times. Cat Arnie of Herding Hemingway's Cats fame. Exactly. Yes. And uh, and the Naked Scientist's fame. And I think there is a Naked Genetics show as well. Yeah, so QED is happening in October. Don't forget to get ready for the, for the sales of the tickets because when it, when it starts... There's going to be a rush, quite a rush, especially for the for the evening, um, the the gala dinner tickets because they sell yeah. out immediately. They do. Okay, let's crack on with the show, shall we? And the first part of the show is usually the one where Yelena uh, brings about um, an item that that's called this week in skepticism. So, what happened this week? We Probably expect not to not to uh, know that because Yelena's not around. But we have Brian. So, Brian, have you got something for us? I do indeed. So, I'd like you to cast your minds back to April the 12th, 1955. Andres, you may not remember it so well. Pontus, you would be in your mid-20s or something feels at like the time. Yeah, exactly. Feels like yesterday. Exactly. So, um, on this day, uh, on the 12th of April, 1955, Dr. Jonas Salk's vaccine for polio was declared safe, effective and potent. And I'm quoting there, potent which is the sexiest sounding vaccine I've ever heard. So just a bit of background. Um, polio is an infectious disease um, contracted predominantly by children that can lead to the permanent paralysis of various body parts and can ultimately cause death by immobilizing the patient's breathing muscles. Um, I, I'm sure you guys have all, both seen some of the horrific footage of poor little kids stuck in those big iron lungs, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the the polio virus is found um, only among humans and is transmitted via the so-called fecal-oral route, 
which makes Ooh. it sound I know it sounds a little bit like the human centipede um, but I, I believe what that means more uh, is that it's transmitted by things like drinking water that's been contaminated so Whilst most researchers uh, were trying to develop a live vaccine, um, Jonas Salk's team focused on developing a killed virus version of the vaccine. So they worked um, in the early 50s um, in the uh, lovely city of Pittsburgh um, and initial small-scale trials on 7,000 people in the Pittsburgh area uh, were successful. That includes um, Jonas himself, and his children, the rest of his family, and uh, initially the children who had the virus. After that, uh, it was followed by one of the largest trials ever conducted, almost 2 million people across the United States, with wow. yeah, with what controversially, though, a placebo-controlled trial. So, um, you know, I, I watched a little documentary on it last night just to kind of get my head in the right space for this, and... You know, they, they, they really went to great lengths to talk about the, the terror that was going around, um, uh, well, the world, but in this case, the United States. Every year, the the polio season would come. So actually testing, you know, uh, a vaccine uh, with a placebo control um, was actually very controversial. However, um, after the, the test was run and the data was crunched a year or so later, um, the vaccine was declared safe and fit for use, as I say, on April the 12th, uh, 1955. And if you want to have a look at the, um, uh, the, the data about rates of polio before and after the vaccine, um, you can see an incredible drop, as you, as you would expect. It was just a matter of hygiene. Oh, come on. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, safe, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. hey, hey, do you know what? Do you know how many cases of autism there were diagnosed before 1955? Hmm. Not many. Zero. No. <laughs> do you know how many there's been since then? Yeah. Loads. So, yeah. Loads. Yeah. You know, make what you... Yeah. yeah. Do, do you know how many 911s there were before 1955? 1954 Zero. of them, but you know, proper 911s. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that one. Okay, yeah. 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 So, anyway, so so this this represents the uh, I guess the anniversary of one of the most dramatic interventions of modern medicine and successful interventions in modern medicine. So celebrate that. And if you want to 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 find out a bit more, I'd recommend just jump onto YouTube and look for. Uh, a video called uh, The Polio Story, The Vaccine That Changed the World. I watched that last night. If you like crying at pictures of horribly inflicted children, then that video's for you. Or, of course, you could watch the Vaccination Chronicles documentary produced by Richard Saunders of the Skeptic Zone fame. Absolutely. I have one copy right here with a Swedish cover, no less, there done by Richard himself. It is a great... Uh, I mean, it's a tragic story, but it's a great uh, documentary. He's interviewed people who actually remember how it was like you know you went to school after the summer holidays and you routinely knew that two or three people in the class would not come back because they had gotten the polio and uh, the you know polio, uh, yeah. it it was just normal uh, and terrifying yeah yeah i mean i i knew a couple of folk when i was young who were affected by polio um but if you ask young people now do you know anyone with polio chances are the answer will be no or it will be someone very old yeah yeah right wow 
All right, thanks very much, Brian. Uh, that means that we're moving on to our news items uh, this week. All right, so we start with some follow-up uh, about people leaving the church. We've talked about this before. And the church. The church, yeah. In Sweden, in Sweden, in, in Sweden, <laughs> in Sweden, the state church, yes, we still have a state church, although we have separated the church Ooh. and the state, although we haven't since they still collect their fees through the tax bill. But of course, you can always opt out, except most people don't because they're not really aware of it. And <laughs> OK, let's not talk about that. Anyway, the, the Swedish Swedish state church is apparently losing members after all, although they get help to collect their member fees through the tax bill. And now they're really getting nervous. In 2017, 96,000 members left the church and only 10,000 new members were, were registered. So, so they're really dropping f fast. The number of members have gone down with about 22% since the mid-90s, while the population at large has grown by 18%. So the percentage of, of, the, of the population that are still part of the church is, is going down even more. Before 1996, every child born in Sweden automatically became a member of the Swedish church. But that's no longer the case, unless you are baptized and you have parents who are also members. Now that uh, these uh, people born in the 90s are, are coming of, you know, becoming of age sort of and can take decisions by themselves, they are leaving the Swedish church more and more. So it's an interesting development. I can see that the Swedish church is getting more and more desperate. Mm. Well, and what is it that they try to to gain back what they had before? They don't have a good strategy. Okay. I, I read an article uh, the other week. Uh, it's saying we, we will now try to counter this by preaching more about jesus and easter in the church in the coming holidays but since nobody's going to church anymore i don't think it's it's not working for them so yeah. it's not not a good choice of methods when you start no. preaching to an, a non-existing audience it's yeah. interesting i don't think they know any other method it's worked for them for a couple of thousand years but it's not working anymore <laughs> yeah. social media maybe they should try that don't tell them about that. They haven't discovered that yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck, Swedish Church. Mm. Or not. Or not. Yeah. Um, best of luck, <laughs> but not really. Best. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, sorry if I bring up Hungarian politics all the time, but I think uh, this topic and others after this make it make it worth talking about what's going on right now. By the time this episode is out, the Hungarian elections, parliamentary elections, will be over. And you know what the most important topic right now? It is immigration and defending Christianity. Wow. From, wow. Those, from those bloody immigrants and from those bloody refugees who bring about their own religion. Uh, let it be... Christianity or any kind of uh, Christian religion, religious faith or Islam. The, the real fear is that if this government wins the elections again, especially if they win with a landslide, then uh, Hungarian democracy might be over. So uh, that means 
the freedom of speech. That means the freedom of religion. So now there are at least two million people who are very well organized, who are brainwashed by the current government because they control most of mass media, uh, both television and radio channels. They control everything. So this time, this elections, um, they decided to give room to the, the opposition parties on national television. Five minutes each. That's very so generous I, of them. Five minutes. Five, five minutes. minutes. Yeah, I hope you used yeah. it well. Oh, yeah. Our uh, party, Momentum, which is uh, a very new party. This will hopefully be the first time uh, that uh, the party gets into parliament. What our uh, spokesperson said, he asked a couple of questions to the prime minister, referring back to the fact that we have not been invited yet since the the start of the, since the party started about a year ago. Yeah, five minutes hmm. is long enough to ask a lot of questions. <laughs> oh, that's good. Anders, is it correct? I, I got the impression if the sitting government or party gets two-thirds majority in the parliament, they can actually change the constitution. Is that correct? That, yeah, that is correct. And uh, not only they can uh, change the constitution, they did change the constitution back in 2011. Well, change is not really the right word because they replaced it with their own. Oh, that's that's a change. That's a very dramatic amendment. <laughs> it is. <laughs> they, they wrote up a whole new com- constitution and... Uh, because they had a two-thirds majority, they did not need any votes from the opposition parties. And they did the same with the electoral system. Hmm. So now now what's what's going to happen is uh, I'm going to step down tomorrow. Oh. To support, to support another opposition party. Uh, not, not the party itself, but the candidate of the party. So I'm supporting this lady in order to help her pass the post first. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So you're not you're not stepping down because of some terrible controversy that's about to come out, are you? No. Have no, you no. Been, have you been grabbing pussies? Have you? What? <laughs> okay. I mean, like that that doesn't yeah, always go yeah, badly. I'm afraid that I'm afraid that. that might come out. But uh, yeah, I just I just want to anticipate the whole thing. So yeah, we have to support each other because so the electoral system is such that if there are several uh, candidates running for the same seat... No, I understand. You're competing for the same thing, and so you're back basically... Yeah. 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 So, so what, what's your prognosis? I mean, when this come out, possibly we already know the, the, the results, but what, what's your prediction? Well, no prediction whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So the, with, a, with a, the current system being very threatening to many people, what it does to, to, to society is that people, people are afraid to tell the polling agencies when they get called up that they are not in support of the government. Yeah. So we have no idea what the actual numbers are. Okay. Yeah, sure. Well, polls are sketchy at the best of times, uh, I guess, but uh, maybe yeah. even more so in this case. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, yeah. Important question then, Andras. Let's see. If you were to suddenly mysteriously disappear then after all this, can I have your expensive microphone? <laughs> well, I'm afraid if, if that happens, that means that all my personal belongings will be gone. Oh. Well. well, well, that's an injustice. I don't th- yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah so they, they will take everything. Wow. 
there is a real fear. So the only hope that we have is that there's going to be a massive turnout at the polls, at the polling stations. The, the next issue is, if there is a change of government, who can deal with this massive, massive shit that we're in? The whole administration, the government, and everything that surrounds it is built on a mafia basis. It really works like a, a mafia, and our prime minister is the, the big boss, the, the capo dei tutti capi, <laughs> as, as the Italians say it. Um, and it's, it's terrible to look at, and it's really painful to, to feel powerless to do something against it. So I'm really hoping that um, a massive turnout will, will happen and uh, we can start working on uh, getting rid of them. Well, going by the interview last week, uh, having skeptics getting involved in politics and trying to make positive change is maybe one of the, the things that more of us should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I keep pushing this topic, because I, I really think so. I really think that we have to get involved. Otherwise, how would we want to uh, work, uh, achieve any kind of change? Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. So on Nick. Next week's podcast, if you haven't mysteriously disappeared, you can tell us how it all played out. Mm. Yeah, and hopefully I will not be massively depressed and uh, yeah, down in dumps somewhere. <laughs> uh, on a little lighter note, but uh, still interesting, I hope, uh, in I May Not Believe in Unicorn News, the Pope may or may not have stepped into it again, depending on who you believe. And belief is what it's all about, isn't it? <laughs> Actually, the most sensational news in this part is that uh, he he's, he appears to have an atheist friend. I don't mm -hmm. know if they will remain friends too much longer, though. And this is something for you, Andras, to, to pronounce Italian names. I will make an attempt and you will correct me, of course. Signore Eugenio... No. Signore Eugenio Scalfari. Nailed it. How's that? Signore Eugenio Scalfari. That's what I said, isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Eugenio. Yeah. He is a retired uh, journalist and founder of La Repubblica, the Italian newspaper. He has declared that the Pope may not believe in hell. Hmm. <laughs> According to Scalfari, when asked where the bad souls go, the Pope shall have replied, and this is a quote, they, have, they are not punished. Those who repent obtain God's forgiveness and take their place among the ranks of those who contemplate him. But those who do not repent and cannot be forgiven disappear. A hell does not exist. The disappearance of sinning souls exists. So that, that's quite the sensational news, right? If you don't believe in God, you just disappear when you die. But, of course, the Vatican got their crucifixes all in a knot regarding this, and they have furiously denied the whole thing. But, interestingly, I have not seen anywhere that the Pope has commented on the issue. You know, He I'm, didn't tweet about it? I, I, not that I know. Maybe if, if listeners have seen something that I've missed, please, please let us know. <laughs> but I haven't seen it. But I, for once, actually must admit that I agree with the Pope in this case. Hell does probably not exist. And apparently that, uh, that's a miracle that we agree and some miracles still happen. 
So th- mm. this strikes me as being a little bit like there was there was a movie. Oh God, sometime in the eighties or nineties. I, th- I think it had Robbie Coltrane in it, the guy that plays Hagrid in Harry Potter, oh. and, it, and it was called The Pope Must Die. And by some comedic reasons, Robbie Coltrane <laughs> ends up becoming Pope. And in his first interview, they asked him about. <laughs> about contraception or something and he said it was a great idea and he was all for it and then he was very <laughs> kind of quickly uh, shuffled out of the room and uh, and and uh, the you know the rest of the the clergy kind of backtracked on that so it, it seems to me that that we've got something like that going on here i don't know i maybe, mean maybe uh, i've been waiting a while for uh, the Pope to say something reasonable and uh, you know it sounds like he may well have done it long last so um Kudos to him. Hagrid for Pope. That's that's my oh, absolutely. Motto. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. So, talking of things that don't exist, um, I'd like to share with you guys <laughs> a little Scottish story that was brought to my attention by a number of people over the last couple of days. So what I'm going to bring you is a is a cautionary tale of stolen identity, attempts of fraud, and a strong, strong contender for the 2018 Pot Kettle Black Award. So the story comes from the Aberdeen Evening Express, and the headline, the brilliant headline is, Caught Dead-Handed. Northeast <laughs> Clairvoyant Shocked after fraudster impersonated her and tried to con people out of cash. So, a medium has called in police after claiming a fraudster impersonated her in a bid to dupe customers out of cash. Maureen Smith has been earning a living uh, talking to the dead, allegedly, uh, for 30 years, (laughs) and was shocked to discover a scam artist trying to con her clients out of £10 each for quote, online readings. Imagine that. Imagine telling people that you can talk to the dead and wanting money well, for talking it. Talking to the dead, of course, is easy. We all know it's just hard to get a good reply. <laughs> well, that's true. Um, so the the grandmother of nine said that one of her customers came close to handing over their bank details but smelled a rat before blocking the culprit. Um, the dead giveaway... Dead giveaway. Do you see what, do you see what they did there? Yeah, uh, from, very good. Very from good. Maureen was when her own husband, Raymond, uh, received a message inviting him to pay £10 for a chat with his own wife, which is lovely. You can <laughs> probably insert some kind of sexist joke in there if you want. You can do that in post-production Pontus, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> Just a clarification. He wasn't dead, right? So he didn't message from beyond the grave. No. Or something. No, no, no. No, no. no. okay. okay. To, 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 he's seven years younger than she is, actually. He's, you know, a toy boy in this respect. Um, yeah. So Maureen's... Juicy. She's She's actually got more than 6,000 followers on her Facebook page. Um, her Facebook page, incidentally, which is called An Audience with Maureen Smith Clairvoyant. Um, that's not the name Catchy. of yeah. That's not the name of an event. That's the actual name of her Facebook page. So, despite the fact that she can apparently talk to the dead, she doesn't appear to be able to talk to any of her grandchildren to find out how the <laughs> internet works. <laughs> so, anyway, what, what, what Maureen said was. Um, 
you know, this went through to all of our Facebook followers and sent them all like a private message claiming to be her, but it was actually from a fake profile uh, with her name. Um, and she said, quote, it is a bit scary that someone has impersonated me and wants to use the reputation that I've built up in, attempt to, in an attempt to scam people, which is, <laughs> which is lovely. Um, Apparently, Police Scotland uh, did say that somebody had uh, had approached them, but uh, no charges have been raised at all. Um, so, presumably, a number of Maureen's kind of Facebook followers are are now happily patting themselves on the back at being able to spot a fraud. Um, but their amazing <laughs> spider sense didn't tingle at all when Maureen herself claims to be able to talk to dead relatives. Um, so. Uh, a little warning to her followers um, and the followers of any psychic. Um, you can never really tell if someone is who they say they are online. So I would advise you just to keep your money in your pocket for now, just to make sure. And a message from Maureen. Maureen, if you're out there, I'm sure you're a big listener of the show. If you really want to put the minds of your customers at rest and prove that you're a real psychic, Maureen Smith, then we at Glasgow Skeptics would be happy to put your alleged powers to a controlled test. We await Ooh. your reply. <laughs> Very good. Very good. I'm, I'm sure she's going to call you right now. Oh, uh, Do you know what? She, she wouldn't even need me to, to do this. She would know already. So oh, yeah. I thought she would have phoned me already. <laughs> yeah, she, she should have called to stop you from from telling all this. Indeed, I, th this sort of things happened a few times. Actually, it happened with another psychic in Scotland called Paula O'Brien about a year mm -hmm. and a half, two years ago, and 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 again, much hilarity online ensued when when she uh, cried uh, cried about people trying to pretend to be somebody they're not. So um, it's it's a <laughs> lovely bit of um, uh, irony happening yeah. here. Hmm. And of course, you couldn't say she didn't see it coming. Exactly. Would, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the next, uh, the next thing is a very tragic issue, a, a, a very tragic incident that happened to a Russian baby, and the baby died because of an in infection, a pneumocystis uh, infection. We don't know if you know that what, what that is. is a is a, a parasitic protozoan uh, that causes pneumonia. Mm -hmm. And um, the child got the HRV from the mother. Usually, as far as I know, HIV is not transmitted uh, during pregnancy. Uh, there are barriers that, that prevent that from happening. But the problem is that breastfeeding or a, a little bit of blood exchange uh, through delivery can result in the baby getting HRV. And this is probably what happened. The issue was that this Russian woman from uh, Siberia, and the, the place is, uh, the, Siberia is uh, the Siberian capital, Irkutsk, uh, who I don't know what Yelena will, will say when she hears me say that, I've probably completely butchered the, the pronunciation. No worries, I don't think she's listening to the show. No. <laughs> well, she doesn't. Yeah, she doesn't listen to the show. Yeah. Um, so it it all happened in Irkutsk, and the woman had been HIV positive for five years, but she doesn't believe in HIV. 
Doesn't help, does it? You know, you, you no. have your HIV, you said, well, I don't believe in it. It doesn't really help. The Independent reports that the woman stubbornly kept saying that HIV is a myth. Well, it's such a myth that it caused her little five-month-old baby, a baby girl, to get this terrible type of pneumonia. And um, uh, the, the regional AIDS center's uh, spokesperson said that uh, the baby girl's lungs literally exploded from the inside. Oh, so fuck. that is a terrible death. And, uh, well, I don't picture it as um, as an alien type of situation. But, but still, what a death. An innocent little child. And you know why this really infuriating is that this infection, a mother-to-child transmission of HIV, can be prevented. Yeah. The risk of transmission, or tra- transmitting HIV, with modern medical equipment and modern med- medicines can be lowered to 2%, mm. which is quite reasonable. It means that you have a good chance of not getting HIV infected and not having a life threatening disease working inside your body. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and the other, the other issue is, um, the World Health Organization released a couple of figures. They reported that December, in, in December, they reported that uh, 103,000 new cases uh, of HIV were reported in Russia. And that area, that uh, Irkutsk um, area, is um, the place where the area where the most uh, drug abuse, uh, drug use, and uh, and HIV, new HIV f- infections happen. And they massively overlap. Okay. I mean, it's sad enough that, for example, drug use in that area is so high, but is AIDS denialism as high in that area as well? Yes. Um, Oh, yeah. And and any reasons for that? There is an anti-AIDS center in the in the Omsk region, which is I don't know how it relates to this uh, this place. But they have won three trials against HIV-positive mothers who refuse to have their babies treated. Okay. So is so is this mother going to be charged then? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, she is. She is uh, under investigation right now. Okay. Uh, well, I was, I was, I was going to say good news, but not yeah, good but news. It but... Yeah, it is not. Yeah, not for the the little baby, poor little thing. But uh, it definitely looks like it's not a one-off thing. It happens more often than than expected. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you know, listeners want to know more about AIDS denialism, I'd point them towards Miles Powers' excellent YouTube videos on the subject. He did a yes. a deep dive on that, so well worth uh, checking them out. Oh, and and one one other thing, there is a former military doctor called Olga Kovac. And uh, she has become known as Dr. Death because she gives advice to the, to the, to the, to the parents, well, um, of, uh, of young HIV denials uh, or denial victims. And um, they tried, the independent tried to, to get in touch with her and uh, she doesn't seem to be interested in trying to answer the, the question that emerged. So... Apparently, there are people who encourage this kind of madness. Mm. Well, look, I mean, 
the nickname Doctor Death has already been used as well. I mean, can can she at least get a new nickname, please? I mean, something Har- more original, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Harold Shipman was way ahead of you in that one, and I'm and I'm sure I'm sure there's others that are you know. So, uh, listeners, e- email into the to the show if you can think of a better nickname for this um, Deathly Doctor. Mm. So I, th- I think what we need is really more uh, better uh, science communicators. And I, unfortunately, we, we did lose one great uh, science communicator last year. It, his name was Hans Rosling, and uh, he was a statistician and a physician, uh, and he died when only being uh, 68. Uh, he was a great science communicator and debater, uh, Indeed. Yeah, he was. He was yeah. famous for his unusual and charismatic presentation techniques. That could include anything from washing machines to old shoes or to rolls of toilet paper. Just, you know, whatever <laughs> he had to illustrate his point. And it was really good. I saw him in uh, at the European Skeptics Congress in, in Stockholm in 2013. It was a great uh, speech. And we tried to get him on the show in 2016 uh, but he never replied to our emails, and then we realized later that he was sick, and that was probably why he never uh, replied. He died of cancer, unfortunately, very sad. Uh, if, if you're interested, we talked more about him on, on episode 61, if you want to look it up. You can also search on YouTube for him, because uh, m- several of his talks uh, are, are there, and they're really very entertaining and amazing. But... Uh, he he's actually continues to spread more knowledge. Uh, there is new, uh, now a new book published in English called Factfulness, 10 Reasons We're Wrong About the World and Why Things Are Better Than You Think. So that's very, that's uplifting. It's been co- <laughs> co-authored by his son, uh, Ola Rusling, and Ola Rusling's wife, Anna Rusling Rönlund. And it's available on Amazon as hardcover or, or ebook or audiobook. And I haven't uh, read it yet, but I have uh, it waiting for me on my Kindle. So that's something I think we should uh, recommend also our, our listeners to go check out. For sure. Please do. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. So thank you very much, guys. Let's move on to uh, the segment that's called Really Wrong, also presented by someone named Pontus Böckmann. Oh, that must be me. So, on today's Really Wrong, I was going to talk about the upcoming referendum in Ireland and how the pro-lifers, according to my spell checker, that is actually a word, pro-lifers. Well, okay, they are going bananas. That's not a word, I think. Bananas? Bernanas. Sounds good, though. Yeah, sounds good. Mm. Well-cooked fruit. <laughs> cooked fruit. But whatever it is, they are going that. And what they want to do, of course, is keeping the anti-abortion laws, which are in the form of the Eighth Amendment in, in, in Irish law. But I will not talk about that, because it turns out <laughs> that just a few hours before we were recording this, Skeptics with a K came out with an excellent dissection of the same topic. So big thanks to Martian Alice, uh, because I'm now free to talk about something else. Uh, but 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 you should check that out because uh, Skeptics with K is a great show, of course, and and uh, almost as good as this one. <laughs> Instead, I will talk about something called Rätsmedicinalverket. Uh, can you say that uh, quickly, Brian? 
<laughs> I'm going to say no. <laughs> no. Okay, good. That's the right answer. It's the Swedish National Board of Forensic Medicine. Uh, they have, since a couple of years, followed directives from Socialstyrelsen. And can you say that? Also no. No. That's the Swedish National Board of Health and Welfare. Uh, and, and, the, and the directives are regard, regarding how to assess the age of young migrants coming to Sweden. So this is going to be a bit technical, and I apologize for that. I hope, I hope we can make this clear. The rules when you come to Sweden as a refugee are different if you are deemed to be a child or if you are above 18. Therefore, of course, there's been a concern that perhaps some adults will lie about their age when they get to the country because then they will get some more lenient uh, treatment, some benefits, etc. But then there's the question, how do you know if, uh, if someone is above 18 or not and if they have an, uh, a reason to lie about this? Now... Here comes the controversy. The National Board of Health and Welfare has established recommendations on, to follow that they say are scientific. Uh, doesn't mean that that's true, though. It involves in examining the knee of a person. They use a magnetic uh, camera to look at the knee or photograph the knee or some, in some way. And then they can determine sort of how old the person is. The problem is, of course, that... Well, there are many problems. One problem is that normally a knee is fully mature in a person when you're between 17 and 25 years of age. And that's a pretty long span. But it's also different from individual to individual. Also, they've made some studies and uh, uh, which includes some very flawed statistics. The thing that they've done, which is... The first thing that they've done is they've confused the fundamental difference of two probabilities. One is the likelihood of a child to have, quote, mature knees with the likelihood of a person with mature knees being a child. That's different. So What? Yep, it is, it is different. <laughs> it's like confusing uh, the likelihood of a creature having wings as being an insect with the likelihood of an insect having wings. It's not the same thing. One doesn't say anything about the other. The other thing is that being an adult is not a binary thing. You know, either you're an insect or you're not an insect. But if you're an adult or not, that's a spectrum. That's something that happens gradually over time. So if you're 10 years old, the likelihood of having so-called mature knees, that's very low. But if you're 17, you're still supposed to be a child, but the, the likelihood that you have mature knees is much higher. Uh, and also, so the studies investigated people between 10 and 30 years old, and that fact skews the data so much that it's no longer meaningful, really. So it's absolutely certain that the method to judge somebody's age is mostly applied on people between, saying, 16 and 22. Uh, because that's when you have reason to be unsecure about the age. The 10-year-olds and the 30-year-olds, they don't enter the equation. So anyway, the, the bottom line is that for a couple of years, the Swedish authorities have used absolutely nonsense statistics to try to to assess whether a person coming to Sweden is below the age of 18. And, but the good thing, the good news is that this is now making 
making the rounds in Sweden and they will probably uh, have to stop using this bullshit method. Good news. It it sounds to me like like that procedure was invented by a paedophile with a knee fetish. Yeah, probably. Ooh. So uh, that that <laughs> that proves it sounds. <laughs> it might be true. It might might be true. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, not regardless how it was conceived, it it was not a a good idea. But it it shows what happens when when you know. <sighs> Authorities think that they uh, know how science work, mm. and and apparently they do not. Yeah, and and you know we can make fun of this, but this is really life important decisions for for people coming here uh, because it, it it determines whether they can stay or not, and whether we take care of them or we just send them back to places like Syria to be killed or, or whatever. Yeah. So, basing these important decisions on extremely bad science, the Swedish authorities, which are the Board of Health and Welfare and the Board of Forensic Medicine, get today's prize for being really wrong. I'd like to ask Brian, our guest host this week, to finish the show with a nice quote. Thank you. And it's a very short and sweet quote that I've got for you. Nothing happens quite by chance. It's a question of accretion of information and experience. And that came from Jonas Salk, as mentioned earlier in the show, the pioneer of the polio vaccine. Nice. Like that. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. And indeed... Thank you very much, both of you guys, uh, Brian and Pontus, for joining me this week. I have to say that this was the best moment of my week, <laughs> or the best <laughs> a best hour and a half of my week so far. It's it was quite an escape from from all the madness of campaigning, and uh, I can't wait for it to end. So I mean, not this one, but the campaigning. <laughs> <laughs> And, yeah, since I have to go now, because there are still a lot of placards to be put up, I have to go. But uh, until next week, and until the next time you come and join us, Brian, goodbye. It's been a blast. Goodbye. Bye-bye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at eu, and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe
what's 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 that team called? It's like it's just good radio. I think it's it's it is really good radio. Okay, okay, forget me. <laughs> You're listening okay, to Andrash's uh, memory uh, deserting him at an important moment. It, it made absolute sense to me when I wrote this down. Do you believe that? No. The no. bloopers are going to be longer than the actual show this week. It's going to be amazing. 